This is Reynolds Podcast, The Creative Mindset. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Creative Mindset, a podcast about what the future holds at the intersection of creativity and technology. I'm Rei Namoto, the founding partner of IONCO, a global innovation firm based in New York and Tokyo. Today's episode is AMA Ask Me Anything, where we answer questions from our listeners. Instead of just answering them by myself, we invite them to be on our show and make that into an open conversation. This is part two of AMA with Leah Safina, a digital product designer based in Hawaii. So if you haven't listened to part one, please do have a listen. In this episode, we go into Web3, AI, and how those new technologies might affect our professions. So let's get started. Ask me anything. I wanted to talk about innovation. And you had a really interesting article recently on your observations on the shifts that AI is going to make. And I really love how you put it as, as a new upgrade to the human OS operating system of how we're,、um, how we're working. What do you feel、uh, people in my position in, in kind of design leadership,、uh, but、oh, senior than, than mid level, but you know, working in this? In these roles dealing with innovation, what would you say comes to mind for you when we think about AI and how it's going to disrupt our work as designers and design leaders? The first thing that I would say, I think it will be the race to the top and the race to the bottom at the same time. And what I mean by that is anything that can be repeated by a human being, a task that can be repeated. Will be replaced by AI. So that's the race to the bottom, right? So if you find yourself doing similar things over and over and over, then that's probably a way for an AI tool to replace.、Uh, what I meant by the race to the top and the race to the bottom at the same time. If you want to stay a designer, if you want to stay a creative individual who produces stuff, And we have to keep、uh, raising our bar because otherwise, the, the good and the bad news with AI is that the, the bar for what's considered average has just gone up. you know? So everybody can do pretty good things pretty similarly. And what becomes more important is how, how, what you're outputting, how is it different from something else or everybody else's output? That I think is the,、uh, the key. So, Ray,、um, as you mentioned, for a lot of people, text based AI tools are top of mind. But of course, there's quite a lot of other tools, visual and、um, supporting in design, that are also being developed. As we know, Figma、um, is pushing significantly on the, their efforts to bring AI to the design tooling. There's also a company called Reloom that、um, approximately a week ago, Launched a new tool that completely automates everything for designers from、um, text prompted sitemaps that then they turn into wireframes. Those in turn you can import into Figma and it will create design. And the only things that you have to do is select the colors and typography. And it also connects to Webflow so it can export your Figma designs in the code. So, with that in mind, when we think about the new generation of designers, They will not、uh, be able to、um, have a trained eye or a trained hand that you can only get through repeating certain things for five years, for 10 years. 
What would be your take, um, Ray, for the creative leaders right now who are managing younger designers and helping out them out guardrailing and still being able to evolve themselves as designers without missing out? One analogy that I look at is photography. So for instance, like portrait painters, before photography was invented, there were painters who specialized in, specialized in painting portraits, right? In 2023, like, can you name one portrait painter? But, you know, there are hundreds and thousands of portrait photographers, right? And product design, as we know it, or just design in general, as we know it, might go the way of portrait painting from the 19th century. That's the bad news. The good news, I would say, is if it had not been the invention of photography and the fact that a machine could reproduce a portraiture in a very realistic way and in a very quick way, that might have brought the death of portrait painting. At the same time, I don't think a Picasso would have come about if photography was never invented. I think that new technology forced human beings to mutate, to invent something new. So say, for instance, cubism, right? That happened at the beginning of the 20th century and the middle of the, the century. Some, an art movement like that, one way or another, either directly or indirectly, forced humans to, to be quote-unquote more creative, to give birth to new forms of expression. Yeah, so the bad news is that I think design, let's say, you know, product design, what we're talking about here, might not be the future for human designers. But then I would also bet that there's somewhere else if we are clever, if we are creative, and if we are resilient enough that we can invent a new type of design where we can be, we as human beings can be relevant and these repeated tasks can be done by Figma AI. Of course, it creates a certain uh, feeling of future nostalgia. We're not past the hump yet, but we're already nostalgic of it, right? And the designer's craft, the feeling of um, certain things being gone and not being able to bring them back. But I think photography was such a good example because there's still a lot of people who gig out on film photography, on exposure and, you know, all of these aspects. So I'm sure we will have people still who do everything by hand. Um, but another thing that I noticed, um, I recently was working on a chat-based AI tool um, where as a designer, your constraint is your chat with the bot. And you're able to put this tool into e-commerce, sports, into all types of industries, into finance, education. And with that, what I noticed, my role as a designer there was very much guided um, about uh, with words. So I was less using my visual tool and more writing chat scripts that would lead the user from one place to the other. 
So an interesting new pattern is that as designers, we need to pick up a new skill of being able to be narrative designers. And uh, there's still no playbook of how to approach it. The way that I use ChatGPT or ChatGPT-enabled tools is that I don't necessarily let it produce the final output. Like I use it to edit and uh, generate and regenerate and just expand my own creativity as opposed to using it to, um, to give away my creativity to something else. Uh, a couple of writers, uh, one of the, the interviews that we've done for our podcast, uh, PJ, PJ Pereira, and he, he, he's, published, he's a published author. And he said that, you know, our AI just isn't, isn't, doesn't give you the kind of originality that human beings can. Maybe in the next 18 months, that might be very different. Yeah. My fear, what keeps me up at night is in the immediate future in the next 12 to 14 months, you know, bad players, bad actors will use AI to produce negative results, specifically in the U.S., so that U.S. as a powerhouse in the, the world will start to decline even more. When digital and the internet specifically became known, to the public, I think there was a lot of positivity and hope. And a lot of these Silicon Valley companies, they claimed that they were making the world a better place. That was like the cliche sales pitch to get VCs to fund their companies. And, you know, even the biggest social media company that is claiming that they are quote unquote connecting people. Yeah, of course, you know, billions of people are using the, the platform, but it's at this point very clear that that social media company didn't make the world a better place. It's the opposite. Yeah, people are connected. That's good. But also it just fueled this cesspool that is the internet into a spiral. The reason why I was extremely excited about Web3 um, and especially this um, new notion of decentralized organizations that it created is I felt it was bringing people together. It was a new way of bringing people together and giving tools and um, independence to people's um, hands and really ability to connect in a new way. I used to dream of um, this way where you know the rise of wallets where if everybody had a digital wallet that represents their identity, that holds information about them, their preferences, their passions, their hobbies, and you would be able to connect it to any website and instantly personalize it to what you can see. Anything from you connecting it to e-commerce and seeing everything in your size to you connecting it to a particular social media platform and being able to instantly see people with similar experience or interests, right? When I first encountered AI, I did not want to work in AI. <laughs> I thought that was a tool that would bring us more apart, that would make us connect less, that would automate things too much and suck out creativity and life out of things. And it took a little bit of um, experience in using AI tools to really find my own rules for myself. For instance, one rule that I have is I never start from AI. I always start from analog thought that I had, and then I use AI to kind of spin it forward. But 
I would say what keeps me up at night and what I'm afraid of is that too much of internet is just going to become synthetically generated information. And we will only be left with small islands of authentic human connection. But that's why the connection between blockchain as a tool for authentication of humanity can help AI stay filtered. And um, I have really high hopes of merging these two technologies together to you know, prevent us from drowning in a sea of informational litter. So that was part two of AMA Ask Me Anything, where I answered a question from our audience. We talked about Web3, AI, and how those new technologies might affect our professions. This is a topic that I've been thinking about pretty deeply in the last six to nine months or so. Obviously, with Midjourney arriving last year, ChatGPT making um, a fantastic debut in November of 2022. And since then, the topic of the day around the world has been about AI pretty much every day. Whether I'm in the US, in Europe, or Japan, this is something that I hear about and get asked about a lot. Also selfishly, because I've built my career as a designer and as a creative director, this is one of the professions that people are worried that might be taken over by AI. And if I were honest, I do worry about that quite a bit for myself, for my company, the people that I know and people that I work with. But the thing is, it's a wave that we cannot resist. And if you look at history and as I used a reference from, say, photography, what the invention of photography and the invention of cameras did to the painters back in the 19th century. That doesn't mean that the, the painters at that time, and specifically portrait painters, they did lose their job. But at the same time, it did take some time for the, for the technology to be adopted by a bigger group of people. And it did take some time for painters to find a new direction. But I do think photography forced painters, artists, and human beings to think in different ways and come up with a new style like, say, cubism. So technology does have a way of taking away people's jobs. But at the same time, I do think it has a way to either force and or to inspire people to come up with new type of expressions. I'll use another example. Several years ago, there was a battle, there was a, a game of Go that was played between AlphaGo, which is an AI-enabled Go-playing machine versus a world champion of Go, which is a, a, a Korean player. In the end, AlphaGo, the AI machine, did beat the human champion, but there was a lesson from that series of games that the player, the human player and the machine player played. 
What happened was in one of the games, there was a move that AlphaGo made that everybody watching the game, including the human champion, thought that it was a mistake made by the machine. But it turned out that was a pivotal key move for the machine to beat the human champion. The human champion took a break, went into the back room, calmed himself down, and came back. In the following game, he made a move that also made other people, the spectators, think that the human player made a mistake. But it turned out the unexpected move that the machine made inspired the human player to make an unexpected move against the machine, and that confused AlphaGo. And that particular game, the human champion ended up winning. So, taking those lessons from, say, photography more than 100 years ago, or the game between AlphaGo and the human player, there are ways that machines and AI can not only force, but inspire us to do unexpected things that we didn't think of. So, I think that is. The way that we should be thinking about AI and see how we can remain relevant. If you are listening to this on Spotify, there's a QA field, so please do send us your questions and comments. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, and if you like our podcast, please leave us a five star rating. We'll be so grateful. In the next episode, we speak with Julie Channing, the former and original CMO and the global VP of marketing of Overs. She was employee number one of Orbers, so she has some fantastic stories that you've never heard of anywhere else. So stay tuned. I'm Ray Namoto, and this is the Crane Mindset. See you next time.